When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. It's Monday the 30th of August and today we chatted to Harry Simeo out of England and he talked to us all things EPL and what about the Ronaldo signing by Manchester United. He also said my Spurs, who are currently atop of the EPL, he said they're no chance of winning. Coming from the man who supports the team at the very bottom in Arsenal, Suzanne McFadden, she chatted through the Paralympians and the success we had over the weekend. All four of our medals are held by female athletes right at this point in time. Come on, lads. She's also, Suzanne's also Kieran's mum, and that was a little frosty this morning. Maybe Kieran left the towel on the floor. Hugh McGann, well, he was not that happy with Latrell Mitchell's shot on jo- Joey Manu. He talked about the NRL, who he thought could win, and some hope for the Warriors moving forward. Is we also had the beaver on the show. Yeah, great to have the beaver on the show. Chatting white bait and everything that should go in the white bait to cook it and make it really juicy. Tomato sauce, well, that's a questionable one, but I'm all for it. Let's <laughs> get it on. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. So pumped to chat to Harry Simeo. He needs a no real introduction. I don't want to waste minutes intro- introducing him, so we're just going to get him straight in line. Hazzah! How's it going, oh, guys? mate. Viva Ronaldo! Viva Ronaldo! Talk to me, brother. <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. I'm so pumped. Yeah, it's big, big news. I, I don't think anybody uh, saw him coming back to the Premier League. I don't think many people saw him leaving Juventus because when you look at the clubs that were able to do a deal of that size. There was very few in the world that, you know, had the cash available. People looked at Paris Saint-Germain, but of course, they signed Lionel Messi. So for Manchester United to come and, and steal a march on Manchester City right at the end is incredible. <laughs> City denied that they uh, they actually made an approach and that they decided they didn't want him. But I think Ronaldo, given the choice, would would go back home. Mate, I'm so pumped. This is great news. I was a big fan when he signed. All those years ago, here's the reason I started supporting Manchester United. It's been a tough few years, but where does this signing? Now, obviously, he's played for Manchester before, but where does this signing uh, signing rate for Manchester United compared to to the Lionel Messi? Because I remember I was watching Paris over in Paris, and Lionel Messi had pretty much the whole French army, uh, you know, parading them around the French city of Paris. 
has there been a lot of hype around Ronaldo and is people getting excited and pumped for the signing? Yeah, I don't think there was much time, though, for people to kind of get excited about it before it came to the point where the deal was agreed. You, you know, the way this came about, it came about very quickly. Had Manchester United down as one of the clubs that were interested, and all of a sudden they declared their interest, and within a few hours we heard that the deal was agreed. So the box wasn't necessarily there in the build-up because it came out of the blue, but now, obviously, in the lead-up to him actually making his return and taking to the field for United uh, is incredible. Also, as well, you know, the difference between Ronaldo to United and, and Messi to PSG is that there's, there's already that affection and relationship between Manchester United supporters and Cristiano Ronaldo that isn't Messi and PSG. So that's why this is such a big deal. And it's, it's a bit of a fairy tale. He's, he's coming home. Yes. We know Man, Man United is a. Um, publicly listed company, and their share price bounced up after um, signing Ronaldo. But uh, just how do, how do United actually financially make these things work? How, how do the clubs afford these players? It's, Manchester United are, are, are a huge football club. They're probably the biggest football club in the world. You know, people talk about Real Madrid as well, and and yes, Real Madrid are huge, Barcelona are huge, but Manchester United commercially are a money-making machine. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk in, in recent years about their owners, the Glazers, uh, American-based owners, not necessarily wanting to put their money in and, and sort of draining the club of its finances. But, you know, clubs like Manchester United, this is a short-term deal, remember. It's only a two-year deal. And the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo was available for a, a fee around 20 million, 25 million euros means that it's almost the equivalent to Manchester United going out and signing a £50 million player when you take into account mm. the wages and the transfer fee. And we know that they can do that. So it shouldn't come as a massive surprise that they've been able to finance it. But, you know, you're right. Some of the sums we're talking about with transfers are astonishing and, and wages. But mm. commercially, you stand to gain so much from somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo in shirt sales, sponsorship deals. A lot of that kind of finances itself. Um. Mate, I want to ask you, yeah. Rio Ferdinand, Sir Alex Ferguson, key figures in the signings, we know, we know that, but how detrimental would it have been if he had signed for Manchester City? Well, there was obviously a lot of talk about that. Yeah, and, and it seemed like that's where he was headed at one point, but, you know, as you said, apparently Rio Ferdinand and, and Sir Alex Ferguson spoke to Ronaldo and kind of pushed him in that direction. I think as long as the option was there for Manchester United, that Ronaldo, I think Ronaldo would have taken it. I don't think he needed that much convincing, if I'm honest. So I think their role has probably been slightly overplayed. I think it was always a question of finance. Could they do it? Yes or no. And if they could, Ronaldo would be open to it. And, and so would they. But going to City would have felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth to the Manchester United fans. You know, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan and I've seen Arsenal legends end up at Premier League rivals and it hurts as a supporter it really does hurt so I think there'll be a lot of Man United fans that will be obviously buzzing that he's joined but half of the buzz will be from the fact that he's not gone to City because I think there would have been some concern about that for sure Harry I'm interested as well talking to Harry Simeo out of the UK talking all things English Premier League but also football around the world I'm I'm a little bit fascinated by club affordability all around the world yeah you see the debt levels that these clubs carry, and a lot of them are privately owned, and there's there's just a sheer wealth. But is there a salary cap, or like how do, 
how are they able to continue to exist and and afford to be able to exist, or is it just a matter of the fact that these guys got so much money themselves they don't mind losing losing a, a billion dollars over a ten year period? How <laughs> how does it kind of work? Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head there. A lot of these clubs now are privately owned uh, by by really wealthy people. I mean, Manchester United are owned by the Glazers, who you know they own uh, American football teams as well and other sports franchises in the states. You've got Manchester City are essentially a state-owned club. Um, you know, Paris Saint-Germain, state-owned club as well in the Middle East. You've got Arsenal owned by the Cronkies, who are obviously massive. I think they're in the top 30 richest people in the world. So, you know, there is a lot of, of, of sort of wealth within the ownership of these clubs. And they use the clubs to leverage kind of taking loans out and they, you know, they write off the debts against the clubs. And you often find that they restructure their debts in, in very smart and efficient ways so that they can raise further cash. I don't know where it all ends. I don't know how there's, how these people get out. I don't know if the end game is sus, um, given that they are constantly loading debt onto these football clubs. But, you know, as I say, they're smart business people and they're people with the kind of backing to keep doing these kind of deals. Remember as well, you know, football or, or soccer here in, in Europe is the biggest sport by a country mile. And the interest is so big. The TV rights money uh, is huge. And, and there's just constant income. There's people going to stadiums, buying merchandise. But, you know, the TV deals, you're, you're talking crazy money. And, and a lot of that is how these clubs continue to do what they're doing. So you mentioned Arsenal there, and the, their owners are one of the wealthiest people in the world. So they only spent, are they only spending something like $20 million this year in the transfer window? Is that right? And is there a reason for that? Because they are rubbish, and I know you're an Arsenal man, and they are <laughs> hopeless at the moment. They are, like, mopping up the floor, and I'm not sure Five how good their TV rights going to deal down in the first division next year if they keep going like they're going, Harry. Yeah, no, so Arsenal have actually spent a lot of money this summer. They're, they're the highest spenders in the Premier League uh, up until now. Oh, right. They've done £125 million pounds on new players. They've obviously recuperated some from sales, and I think they'll recuperate more between now and the transfer window closing in a couple of days' time. But I think with Arsenal, the issue is, is more around not recruiting in the right way, not spending the money wisely. I mean, you can give somebody all the money in the world, but if they spend it poorly, then you're going to end up in a bad situation. And I think that's a lot of the reason why Arsenal is suffering at the moment. You know, a lot of the fans here in London are, are sort of protesting against the ownership and want them to pass the club on to somebody else but actually for me it's not a question of the money the money is there the problem is that it's been spent badly and and the club is being mismanaged from the top you know and that that's the big problem for me rather than the money well, i can hear the the feelings in your voice harry i feel for you mate but let's talk about Tottenham. <laughs> bears is absolutely pumped Boom, Tottenham Spurs. Spurs. top of the table mate Are they got a real chance of of winning this this uh, EPL this year? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <Tottenham Hotspur>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Hotspur are notorious because they're notorious for for bottling things. They're notorious for getting right to the end and messing it up. And and to be honest, no jokes aside, they they just don't have the strength and depth to do it. There's still a lot of areas in which they need to improve. We're only three games into the season. There's a long way to go. I think they'll be better this season. I think they've made a good appointment in Nuno Espirito Santo to take over the reins. But they, they need a lot more investment, you feel, 
And, and Tottenham, very much like Arsenal, you know, over the years, their investment has been poor. And they've brought a lot of players in for big money who haven't stepped up and haven't lived up to their billing. And, and you know, that's a lot of the reason why I don't fancy them as title contenders, uh, just like my club. Uh, thanks, mate. Absolute deflating on a Monday. Here I was, flying high, three three from three, thinking <laughs> this is the year. No, no Harry Simeon comes on and says, nah, no chance. Anyway, before we let you, let you go, mate, we're just a few weeks into the season. Um, your biggest takeaways so far for uh, for the season? My biggest takeaways is, is probably uh, that the Premier League is not going to change that much in terms of the teams that are going to be pushing for the title. I'm, I'm curious to see whether the acquisition of Cristiano Ronaldo pushes Manchester United onto that next level. But you still feel it's going to be one of Manchester City, Chelsea or Liverpool who are going to take the crown. I think that probably Manchester City and Chelsea on what we've seen so far are just slightly ahead of Liverpool because of their strength and depth. Um, but, you know, it's going to be an interesting title race, but I think the table is going to be, in terms of the very top, very similar to what we saw last year. And it's going to be very difficult for those hunting for Champions League places to break into that top four for sure. Good man. Thank you very much for your time again, Harry. Absolute legend. Great to catch up with you, mate, and your insights are fascinating. So thanks for joining Baz and Izzy on for Cheers, this. Harry. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Editor of the Locker Room standing by, a very special guest. A very special guest indeed, and not just to talk through the Paralympics and give us a wrap on that, but we might get a little bit of oil on Kieran as well out the back and find out the mystery that is our man Kieran. He's a great fella, and it just happens to be his mum on the phone as well. But uh, Suzanne McFadden in her own right, an absolutely brilliant sports journalist, and and we're very lucky to have been joined by her this morning to talk to us all things para- Paralympics and also just maybe chat a little bit more about the success of some of our athletes over the weekend who happen to be just quietly, all four of our medals are all females. Any chance, blokes? Any chance of standing up and giving us a little bit of a win? Crikey. Anyway, good morning, Suzanne. Good morning, Baz, and good morning, Izzy. This is a big moment in my life, you know, to be on this show. I listen every morning. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Awesome. Oh, well, we'll make sure, now that we know that you listen every morning, we'll make sure we get Kieran on there more often for you. <laughs> is that okay? Kieran, <laughs> yeah, take it yeah, I've been bugging him for so long. Hey, Suzanne. Love How Kieran. are you, love? <laughs> hey, Kieran. Good thing, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? What is that? Right. We only we only saw each other a few hours ago. <laughs> he is he is at home with us doing that. Yeah. Oh, oh, brilliant! Hey, Suzanne, talk to us about um, how great a weekend that was for our Paralympians. Oh, it was just brilliant, and you know. I, I have to say, I think the lockdown has been brilliant for our New Zealand Paralympic team because so many more people are watching the games. And um, but you know, for for good reason, the, the sport is spectacular. It's I think we you know we've we've matured as an audience and we respect the athletes for what they're doing and who they are, rather than just looking at as being something inspirational. I think, you know, mm. these these athletes give up just as much, they put in just as much as able-bodied sports people do. And, um, you know, there was, there's been some brilliant 
performances so far. As you pointed out, and for a moment there I'd forgotten this, all four medalists are women. Uh, Sophie Pascoe in the pool, uh, Tuponeufi in the pool, um, Lisa Adams, of course, in the shot put. What an amazing performance that was. And yesterday it was just so delightful to see Danielle Aitchison win in the 200-metre sprint. So, oh, sorry, not win, second. She came second, silver medal. So, yeah, two golds, two silvers so far. And if you haven't tuned in yet, it's not too late because we've just entered into the biggest week of the Paralympics for New Zealand. This is when the big guns roll out, and it'll, it'll be cool. Well, thanks for joining us this morning, Suzanne. I uh, really appreciate your time. I just want to, like, you picked up on something, like these athletes, they work as hard as anyone else. They don't want any sympathy. But when I was watching on the weekend, just seeing what what their mental toughness, like how strong they are to, to put their bodies through. I was watching the swimming. There was a person swimming with no arms, no no legs. And here's me complaining about getting out on my bike. Like, these athletes are so... So powerful for what they do, you know. Oh, they are. They're incredible, and that's it. I mean, we're supposedly not supposed to really mention the word inspiring, but how can you not be inspired by that, eh? Yeah, mm. yeah, a hundred percent. Like that, that. That's what I mean. I was sitting at home watching, and here's me complaining, and I'm like, mate, these, these, these women and men are just so inspiring with how they go about their things. They're representing their countries, like Lisa Adams. You know, seeing what it. It meant for for her and her family. Her son at home was so proud of her. Like these mm. these athletes over there, and they fly under the radar. I must admit, they they fly on the radar. They probably don't get the same recognition as as a lot of our mainstream athletes do. And but that aside, they still represent us with pride, and they're still doing uh, making a good stance over there in, in the Paralympics. Yeah, and you know that's why Sophie Pascoe has been such an important um, flag waver for the um, Paralympic movement, you know, 16 medals now. And today she goes for her, we're hoping, 10th Paralympic gold medal in the 100-meter backstroke. And now, I mean, you know, having Dame Valerie Adams at the Paralympics, like staying back after her event, staying on in Japan to coach her sister, um, you know, has has raised the profile of Lisa Adams, and we're going to see her, I think, um, go from strength to strength in Paralympic sport and be, you know, a beacon for them as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Sophie swim over the next, I think it's four days. She has four races, and these are the races that count for her. You know, she she won a silver in the breaststroke, but that was a, just a warm-up race. She wasn't even originally entered in that race, but she did it so she could warm up for mm-hmm. her four main events. And, yeah, she won a silver, and she, she almost won the bloody gold, you know? She's just outstanding <laughs> athlete. And um, really looking forward to see what she can do there. Michael Johnson, um, this might be a chance for you blokes today in the shooting, so <laughs> he's a... This is his fifth Paralympics. He's won three medals in the past, and apparently he's really on song. So um, tune in for the shooting today. It, it might not be the most electrifying of sports to watch, but it's still really cool seeing those numbers add up, and, and especially if New Zealand's in the lead. So, yeah, yeah, you need to back him today. Um, the other one is Jesse Reynolds is swimming in the 100-metre backstroke as, as well. So there's another bloke for you. Oh. 
That might be about when we're nestling into the old white bait and Pinot Gris. Um, Suzanne, what, uh, there's obviously been a lot of highlights already. Um, over the weekend, what, what was the one that, that really stood out for you, which grabbed you the most? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to say Lisa Adams. Um, you know, she broke the Paralympic record with her first row and then broke it another three times. Nobody came near her. Um, nobody beat any one of her six rows. And, you know, it shouldn't have been a surprise because she holds the world record. She is the world champion from 2019, which was her first world championship form, uh, appearance. Um, and obviously, the amaze, you can't get a better coach and shot put in the world than, than her sister, Dame Valerie. But also, you know, the, the sacrifices she's made, the, you know, leaving her son at home to come and do this. It was mm-hmm. just, uh, there's just a power. And, you know, that, what everybody around the world is talking about is the Adams family, you know, is there a better sporting mm-hmm. family out there at the moment? Um, but yeah, it's it, it was, and and I can I just chuck in there um, a plug for the Wheel Blacks. They didn't win a game, but in their last mm. game against Denmark, um, they really showed what they're capable of. And I just fell in love with wheelchair rugby at these games. And um, the final last night between uh, the Brits and the USA was just a brilliant game. The Brits won the gold, and. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, they're looking for more players, more disabled people who might be interested in wheelchair rugby, but bloody hell, it's pretty rough, eh? It's a really, <laughs> really scary oh, sport. I would not like to be in a wheelchair and have one of, the, one of those guys coming at me from the side. So, um, yeah, I, I give a big plug to them. I think that in Paris, if they can get to the Paris Paralympics, we'll see a much better team. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, Suzanne, thank you very much for joining us here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We we love championing our champions, and, and the Paralympics team is certainly some of those, and we got another uh, lot of champions over the weekend, and we thank you for your insight and coverage as well of of our Paralympian team. So thanks for joining us, and I know Karen is delighted to have you on as well, but we're equally <laughs> do you, delighted. Do you really so thank so? you very much. <laughs> yeah. Can I just you didn't say, sound guys, that excited, thank actually. you to you. No, I didn't. Um, but can I just say to you guys that, you know, since Kieran's been working with you guys, he's a much more considered and eloquent young man. <laughs> oh. But he still won't fold the washing. Yes! And, oh. and you are not... We, I'm not sure we can help him, him with that. <laughs> yeah, you, you're not to get him into punting, okay? There's going to be no horse racing betting in this family. <laughs> oh, thank you, Suzanne. There you go, Kieran. Wow. So I'm playing advantage there. Wow. So that's on the court. And we'll leave it at that. Rabbitohs okay, have got so the wobbles a little bit here. I was going to come back and penalise you, okay? For high con... No. Hey, Joey, Joey, Joey. <laughs> Joey would like to ask a question. He's very upset by what happened. Wow. There you go, Joe Manu, high tackle from Charles Mitchell, and for me, there was no way that was accidental. You could see from the distance he travelled, he had one sight, one person in his mind, that was his good friend Joe Manu, and what I didn't see, he didn't drop, mate. He went in, he flew at his head, no no arms, just straight, no dip in his tackle, anything like that. But anyway, what do I know? It's time for a McCafe coffee catch-up, and this morning we've got a rugby league great 
on the show. 32, Tess Kiwi, and a legendary rooster, Hugh McGahn. I know he'll be absolutely disgusted with what went on over the weekend. Up against it, South Sydney Rabbitohs uh, neighbours. The injury-riddled roosters went down 54-12, but it was the shot from Latrell Mitchell on the Kiwi star, Joey Manu, that has taken the headlines. Hugh is on the line. Good morning, Hugh. What's your take on that little shot on his good friend Joey Manu, mate? Good morning, Israel. Um, I think like a lot of people, I think uh, everyone's... They're at odds as to whether it was intentional or not intentional. The fact is that he, he did hit him high. Um, I don't think it was intentional, but he, he went in with the with the thought, I'm going to take him out, I, I need to shut him down. And he threw his body, uh, body on the line. Um, and you call that reckless. Um, but any shot high... Uh, and to the head with force um, is, is an automatic send-off and irrespective of whether there was intention or not. And we've seen it in, in, in both codes, Rugby League and Rugby Union, where any any shot high, um, there are consequences. Mm. Um, but it, it's it's more the aftermath, I think, that's created a lot of the, uh, the discussion around it. Yes, it was high, it was um, uh, non-intentional, uh, but the injury sustained... Um, mm. is has been the talking point, and um, like a lot of other people, and yes, the old foe, the Rabbitohs. Um, I've I've got a daughter-in-law who's a Rabbitohs fan, and um, uh, my son Matt, uh, being the husband, there was a lot of discussion Friday night with all of my sons uh, over Viber because mm-hmm. they're all living around the world, <laughs> and it, it, it was a very heated conversation. <laughs> well. Um. Is Latrell like this? Is he's had his own? He's had his fair share of um, yeah adversity over the last couple of years. A bit of public, um, yeah, things have gone on in the public. Is, is Latrell in real danger of letting himself and his career down by not cleaning up his game? Um, oh, he's he's really riding a fine line. Um, earlier this year, mm. there were a couple of incidents against uh, West Tigers where he lashed out with a boot and hit a guy in the in the head. Um, took a guy out again high um, with his forearm, intentionally going to the to the head of a player, and he, he caught some um, some time with that. And there has been other instances um, uh, last year. Um, he, he he plays on a on a knife edge. He's a very aggressive player. Um, uh, the, the instance that really catches me with with Latrell, and and I've I've met the young man, and he's a delightful. Um, Gentleman, and uh, but when he gets to the field, he has a bit of a transform, and um, and and not on the on the on the better side of uh, of a of a character. And uh, with, with that though, um, he has to learn to temper his um, his anger, his frustrations, um, his aggression. Um, and for me, he's still just a little bit immature in that in that sense, where he wants to to be seen to be backing up his teammates or doing this for his team. Uh, but to the extent where he stands stands over people, throws balls into their into their head, um, and then five seconds later puts a smile on his face and wants to be a brother with them again. That that, that to me just says someone who hasn't got control of his emotions at the moment. So you're right. I think he he is in danger. Um, if he doesn't learn from these lessons, um, then he's going to be he's going to be out of the game for for a, a fair while. But having said that, he's just such a, a great player that clubs. Well, I think we'll try and work with that um, to get the best out of them. And if they if they sustain a few weeks on the sidelines, I think they're willing to, to cop that, given what he can bring to a team. 
Gee, that's an interest, interesting point you made there as well around him being a great player because there has been a little bit of criticism of the NRL that they do protect their best players as well when it comes to disciplinary, disciplinary can't even get that word out, crikey. Um, but some of the action that they take as well, uh, I mean, that that incident to me it, as a as a novice, it just looked buggish, you know, and, and I just can't see how they could even, how they can't throw the book at him. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. The, the the problem that they've created for themselves is their their whole rulings, their their, their grading systems on their penalties, and then the in the disciplinary committee. Um, uh, firstly, you've got um, uh, humans making a, a decision uh, as to what, what grade it fits under, um, and then the the grades themselves have so many loadings and so many variances in them that it's hard to get any sort of consistency. Um, we've gone from one extreme where you had, uh, and I'm talking way back when I was playing uh, well, in, the, in the 80s, where you had one person, Jim Comins, who on his own, he made the call of what um, penalties were handed out. He was the uh, judge and jury, um, and we were getting up to 12, 15, 18 weeks, and there, were, uh, there was a guy who had 18-month suspension uh, from the game. Uh, that, that started to change the way... Um, a, a loading system came in or uh, rules came in because it was just set on one person. Um, but I think we've gone the other extreme now where we're bringing in too many rules, too many different variances in, in all of those those loadings. Um, but you're still getting human human error uh, being brought up um, in this whole case. And even from that game itself, Henry Perinara, the video referee, mm. not taking any action until Joey Manu stands up and starts having a, having a crack, and then they really have a, have a look at the video. Then he then he steps in, but then he comes in with a uh, a yellow card as opposed to a red card. Mm. So there's, there's there's a whole lot to take into account. But um, like most most sports people, you'd look at that and say that's that is thuggish, that's crazy, that guy should be wiped out of the game for a, a long period of time. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Hugh McGann on our. Um, cafe coffee catch up this morning on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Yeah, you mentioned before about your your kids and and your family. How you're they're all scattered around around the place. So what what's the what's the story there? What are they up to? Uh, well, as I mentioned before, uh, my son Matt uh, is playing. He's just gone back to Japan. He's playing with um, the Rico Rams up there, um, uh, and it's, uh, it's his wife who's the the Rabbitoh supporter. Uh, they've got uh, two young children who we only just met uh, about six weeks ago. They came back, or eight weeks ago, they came back from Japan. And we have just met the new grandchildren there. By, uh, I've got another son who's married up in uh, in Birmingham, up, up in England. Uh, he's playing and coaching rugby up there. Uh, he's also got a, a son um, with his wife that uh, we haven't met yet. And I've got another, <laughs> uh, another boy, Rory, who's living in Sydney uh, under the same conditions we are at the moment in some sort of lockdown. And uh, so they are scattered all over the place. Oh, that's pretty. You must you must be pretty excited once all this COVID stuff gets over and done with. You'll be able to travel around and, and see all of them. I'm guessing. Yes, we hope so. We uh, we've been planning it for a while, but the uh, uh, the lockdowns and the quarantines and and trying to find spaces on uh, on the computer hasn't made it easy. Um, and and given work and everything else, it. Uh, it's it's a it's a difficult time, but one we want to really try and uh, make up for it uh, at, at some stage. But we've got uh, a lot of sport to watch in between uh, before all that can 
can really happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I've played Matty quite a few times, mate. He's a classy player. I remember we played him in Japan when I was over there a couple of years ago. He played for Yamaha. Uh, he carved us up, absolutely teed us to shreds. Did you ever try and convince him to go down the league league track? Well, actually, he he, he did all this time with um, uh, with rugby. He was at uh, Westlake Boys. Uh, then he went to Mags uh, for a little while, and uh, they won national champs. Uh, this is first 15. And uh, yeah. then he ended up, out of the blue, he signed a deal with uh, the Melbourne Storm for three years. Um, he mm. wanted to learn how to tackle. He, he wanted to learn different aspects um, and wanted and went to a really good club. He was picked up he was there for there for three years, uh, but uh, decided to come back to to rugby. I didn't think it was going to be his uh, his action, so he came back to to rugby. And um, uh, uh, but he has it in his, his brain. He thinks he might be a good coach at, at rugby league. I think coaching will be something that he might take on a little bit later on. Um, but uh, yes, he, he's had his um, stint at it and uh, and enjoyed it and learned a hell of a lot under the likes of uh, mm. Craig Bellamy and and in this time there with with Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater. He enjoyed he really enjoyed his time and and you can see why uh, Melbourne Storm are so successful with the the whole character reference they make to to players. Has um, made a world of difference and um, he's picked up on a lot of those and he um, he's doing very very well for himself and. Um, uh, happy, happy that he is, um, just uh, under a cloud, under all this COVID stuff up in Japan, where it's, it's still a small issue. Um, he just got back into yeah. training after his uh, uh, um, isolation period, and um, but they're, they're, they're still stringent on their rules and, and everything else that they do up there. And like you, you would know, they're, they're very compliant, the Japanese, and uh, they don't yeah. need hard lockdowns. But uh, a lot of yeah. the people just do things because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, 100%. Only one's breaking rules of those bloody Kiwi foreigners, I'll tell you that. Japanese they are <laughs> Japanese citizens, they follow the rules. Um, mate, just before we go, the Warriors, can you give us anything to cheer us up? Cheer Bears up, mate. He's a bit deflated this morning. I am a bit well, deflated I think, the Warriors. Yeah, it's, it's been really a, a, a disappointing season for them, but given what they've had to, to put up with for the last two years, um, there's been a number of changes uh, within the, uh, um, the within the club, coaching-wise, uh, general manager-wise, um, and players moving in and out. And obviously, uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek uh, uh, withdrawing a uh, number of players that left through the year. They brought some very good players coming in. Now, if they can if they can keep that group, what I what I have noticed, even though the results haven't come, what I have noticed, there has been a change in the way that they're, they're playing their game, the way that they're moving forward. Um, Adam Fidelwell Blake, I think, has been a major contribution towards that. Mm. There are some good players, even um, uh, Matt Lodge, despite his background, um, and Matt did some time with him at, when they were both at the Melbourne Storm many years ago. Um, uh, he is a, even, even though uh, public image on him isn't great, he is a really good guy and um, wants to do the right thing. Has a couple of brain snaps, yes, like a few of us have in, in uh, earlier days. Um, but um, he has to learn. I think he has got to the stage where he, he's learning con- to control those. But I think there's 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 a good base starting to, to take shape within the, the Warriors at the moment. Their biggest issue at the moment is, is their halves. What is going to be the halves pairing moving forward? They've got their fullback in Reese Walsh if the Broncos don't come in and, and take him. Uh, you've still got Harris DeVita 
uh, in there who I think is a long-term uh, prospect uh, for them. So they're looking for another half, and they've got to settle on a on a uh, on a, on a hooker. Once once that's settled, um, I, I think the rest of the team is looking in good shape. I, I'm disappointed to see uh, Peter Hikulu, but uh, I think he's been great for them, especially these last two years um, away from home. He's he's been a major contributor to, towards them, and disappointing to see him go. Uh, but I think there there is hope, um, and I'm not a Warriors supporter. I, I I like them because they're from New Zealand, and we and we support them here. But obviously, being a, a Bruce's man, that's that's what I'm focused on at the at the moment. But I, I think there is there is hope um, further on down the track. I, I like um, Nathan Brown. I think he's got a good head on him. I think he he's got a good basis for for building a a team for the future. Well, that's very encouraging to hear Hugh McGann say the Warriors have got some hope and there's a little tidbit, a couple of tidbits in there as well, exactly where we need to strengthen. I'm a Warriors fan. We're keeping the faith, as we always do. Tell us, Hugh, uh, before we let you go, mate, who's going to win this year's NRL? Uh, I, I really, I can only see uh, one of the top three in Storm Panthers um, and you have to throw the rabbits in there. The Latrell Mitchell will be a major loss for them six weeks out. That's his season done. Um, it has to be out of those those two, the Storm Storm Panthers. I lean towards the Storm because I, I, I've always liked the club. I just like their, their whole being and what, what they're on about. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Panthers get up. But Nathan Cleary in that team, they're a big shot of winning, winning the uh, the. Uh, the grand final this year. I, it's it's got to be one of those two teams. Like, you can't really seriously look at anyone else. The inconsistencies of all the other teams start to, to pop its head up. Those other two have been consistent throughout the year. Uh, awesome. Hugh McGann out of the Roosters in Sydney, mate. Thanks so much for your insights into what's happened over the weekend and uh, all the best. And give, give Maddie my regards over in Japan, mate. All the best. Israel, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. Baz, you were loving your little letterbox delivery, weren't you? Oh, I was. How good was that as well? Freshly caught yesterday morning and then delivered. Obviously, COVID sort of treated the the bag on the outside. Delivered to my letterbox. (laughs) Where this afternoon, maybe around lunchtime, and it's the perks of being on breakfast, isn't it, Izzy, that you can have your... You just have a have a little bit of a white bait lunch, maybe with a little Sauvignon Blanc or maybe even a little Pinot Grigio just to wash it down. But I need some need some assistance. And well, you said that you're going to put tomato sauce on your white bait. Well, we're going to have to call in the experts. And who's the expert when it comes to white bait in the SENZ team? Is it is the beef? Beef. The beef on the line. Good morning, beef. Oh, look. Morning, guys. I'm glad you're looking forward to your lunchtime already. I'm proving my show at that time, but uh, I hope you guys do your white bait fine. Well, first of all, you don't prep the show. Kirsty does does everything for you anyway, so that's a lie. (laughs) Uh, Guilty, guilty. Tell me, mate. Tell me, what do I do with this white bait? How much have you got, mate? How much do they give you? Oh, Oh, geez, I don't know. It'll be like... Maybe... (laughs) A good bag. I don't know, like that much. Or you can't see. You can't see what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm... <laughs> a bag full, mate. Well, let's, a bag full. So right, let's. A uh, couple let's of handfuls. Basic. Couple of handfuls. You don't. You don't need to add anything to spread it out. You just need it at uh, absolute purity. So just uh, get a few eggs. 
and uh, mm. and separate separate the oaks. Oh, so we're just going to run. Uh, so we're just going to run the uh, the whites of the eggs. We're going to uh, yep. we'll fluff those up with, with a beater, or uh, you'll have a machine for that. I'd imagine Baz. And and then we'll uh, put a bit of uh, lemon rind in there. Oh, oh, okay. She's that's a lot flasher than your recipe is. I can see you riding it down as well. And then, I uh, separate then it, what do you separate, be- uh, beef? Why do you separate the eggs? Just taste, mate. Too strong yeah? a taste. You don't like the yolk? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah just makes it more of a pure it's taste. And then, uh, and then what? You just you just what? And a little bit of butter in the pan. Uh, oil. I got oil in the pan, and make sure your pan is hot. Cook it hot. That's key, mm, also. Hot pan. And what is it like and, a steak? You turn once, or you can actually sort of, you know, like you can. It'll just be once turn. It'll just be just be once turn. You'll you'll see it starting to form and starting to on the outsides. It'll start to. A lot like a pancake. We'll start to have that sort of look about it. Okay. All right. Beautiful, the beef. Mate, what's yeah, that? No, have, and when, when are you going to get out for a little white bait? Well, unfortunately, uh, Jacinda shifted the Auckland boundary on me. So uh, we are still stuck until uh, Auckland goes level four because uh, the, level, the level three won't apply to uh, this part of the white cattle, unfortunately. You're miles out of Auckland, aren't you? That's disappointing. Yeah, but uh, they shift. They sh- to just make it easy. I guess the police they shift the uh, the border from uh, the Bombay's to uh, Hampton Downs, which incorporates uh. the Waikato River, unfortunately. But hey, okay. Hey, go, mate. I can hear the kids in the background. Are you doing all right? Yeah. Look, I tell you what. I tell you what. Uh, <laughs> Drive show gets you out of um, witching hour and bathing at dinner time, but uh, you are the main man come breakfast and wake up. <laughs> what you time you up, uh, Well, the young one, the, actually the oldest girl, was, she was up about three-ish this morning, and uh, now she's full of beans, wanting to do some artwork and eat her porridge at the same time. So it's, uh, she's all go. Uh, beef, beef, is this... Is this the cardinal sin beef? Tomato sauce on a bit of white beef? Nah, it's, 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 mate, as long as you've got fresh white bread, you can. I don't mind you having a bit of that in there, is it? That's fine. Yeah. There you go. There you That's go. Nice. There you go, Trudy. A few people, a few, a few people beef, chucking beef. a bit of, bit of Worcester sauce, too. Ooh. Oh, yeah, a bit of Worcester sauce as well. Yeah. Mate, while we got you on the line, we may as well ask you, we may as well really just take, you know, just take all your time off your hands. Um, Adi Savir, new captain of the ABs, you happy with that? Yeah, absolutely. It was going to be, it was certainly going to be one of the options. I thought it was going to be either him or uh, Big Guzzler. Um, but yeah, no, he'll be, he'll do a great job, and uh, it's going to be an interesting week, isn't it? Without uh, four or five of the uh, the absolute experienced big names. Yeah, mate. Huge week this week, Sunday. Uh, on Sunday, the Test match in Perth. Any surprises in the selections this week, or you forget? He's pretty much picked itself, Beef. You wouldn't, you'd think with that amount of experience at, at home, you'd think they'd have to go with mm. the next the next sort of experience best, wouldn't you? You couldn't imagine too many surprises. 
Um, just finishes to see if they go straight back to the Harvilli uh, Leonard Brown midfield, won't it? Mate, what about the fullback role? Um, I know I know Dmax covering ten as well. Would he start at fullback to cover ten and you bring Geordie on the bench? Or how how do you see that that kind of mixture, those combinations rolling out? Oh, I, st- I, I I still think Damien's got to be in your top fifteen, and and I think he's he, he's done nothing to suggest he's not there at the moment. Obviously, Geordie's Geordie's Geordie, and it's an incredible luxury that we have. But I would still have yeah. him there. But you're right because he's because he's Covering ten, but I mean, Bodie's Bodie's going to go eighty unless he gets injured, isn't he? So, mm. um, you know, you can't, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think you would plan a bench around that. You'd still pick your top fifteen, but it could be a case of Geordie deserves to start too, you know. So, it'd be interesting how they do that. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, we've only got a minute and a half on the news, but just how are you enjoying the radio? <laughs> loving the loving the radio. It's, it's actually uh, I get excited every time I, I go in. I don't know if it's just because I'm missing watching hour or not, but um, no, I, <laughs> I enjoy every afternoon and uh, it's 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 awesome, isn't it, mate? It's, um, we've got great response so far from all our friends as far as interviews go. It won't be long until they start ignoring us, but uh, no, it's been great fun. <laughs> Babe, I was listening on Friday, mate. Unbelievable chat. But I, I heard your multi. Did you get it? Did you get the multi in the end? <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, our listener who subbed in one, he, we yeah. were gone at about 6 o'clock Saturday night. Oh. Because I was what watching the golf, finish? mate, because Rory's in the Rory's top five. Right I was watching the golf. Oh, no. Yeah, he's top five. He's he's fourth. So that was one of your picks, too. Yeah, and we had the Rabbits, the Rabbits 13 plus, which was in. So, oh, yeah. heartbreak. But uh, oh, hey, right, you sound you sound busy as mate. So we're gonna let you we're gonna let you go. <laughs> Look forward to hearing you later on. It's good to catch up with you. I appreciate you giving out all of your secret recipes as well for your your white bait omelets. Bloody good, good to talk to you, beef. Shop beef. No problem. No problem, boys. Enjoy your enjoy your lunch. Thanks, brother. See you, mate. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.